This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message.
Pastor Joyce, I love you so much, and thank you for mentoring me and always being there when I reach out to you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank you. Please, you... I don't even think, sometimes when we have somebody always with us, we get really familiar with them, but I, I really pray and hope that you, you know, really appreciate what you have in this house because it's amazing. It's amazing. Can we give it up to leadership? So like Pastor said, my name is Simi Dele Awa, and it is my honor to be here this morning. I... Uh, worship at RCCG House on the Rock Parish in Grand Prairie, Texas, under the leadership of Pastor O.J. Kuye. That is my spiritual father. Um, I am also I also serve with the young adults at the bridge under the same um, House on the Rock Parish, and so it is an honor to be here today. I want to really appreciate God for this opportunity, and I just pray that the word that is going to be um, sent forth from this altar really does minister to you. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So today, if you don't mind engineering, if I could get my slides, I would really appreciate it. Um, so I want to share a bit of my testimony. Uh, uh, 20, May 2020, I was diagnosed with cancer, with breast cancer. And it was something that I had to, God really had to push, pull me through because it seemed like I, you know, I always saw it, but it was like, God, this can't happen to me. Not me. It doesn't run in my family. I'm relatively, I'm, I'm a healthy person. And, and when I started to go through the process and God started to um, show me why it, why it was happening, he also showed me that I was already healed, but I had to go through a process. He showed me that, and I was like, literally, I remember getting the phone call from the doctor and she was like, hey, this is, you know, this is the result of the biopsy. And I immediately hung up the phone and started to cry, but the first thing I heard was that it's already done. It's finished. But a lot of times we don't understand that just because something is finished in heaven doesn't mean you don't have to go through a waiting process on earth. And so today we're gonna be really talking about what it looks like to be in a waiting room. Part of my journey is the fact that I have been in multiple waiting rooms. Sometimes I'll be in waiting rooms and, you know, I will come there first. Okay, I have an appointment, right? So by the time, you know, it's time for the appointment, I should be going in. That doesn't always work like that. Sometimes I have to wait. Sometimes I see people come in after me and go in before me. Sometimes I, I come into the waiting room and I'm there for a reason and I, I'm super, I'm, I don't feel well but I still have to wait. You see, waiting as a child of God is not an option. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we, we, we say that he is our Lord and our Savior, we're also accepting the fact that we must wait. Turn to your neighbor say, and say, wait well. If you're going to wait at all, you might as well wait well. You might as well learn how to wait in the waiting room in a way that it doesn't, you're already waiting. You might as well wait well. You might as well allow God to do something through you as you wait. And so I would, many times I would go in the waiting room and I would sit there and it was frustrating. I'm not going to lie. It was frustrating. But as I did, I realized that um, it got easier the more I allowed myself to not just complain in the waiting room, but actually 
figure out what can I be doing in this time? What can I be doing in this time? And so um, I, I would like to say that I have been in many physical waiting rooms, and the journey that I've been through to wholeness is, shows that I've actually been in many spiritual waiting rooms as well. But so to the glory of God, the way the story ends is that today I am cancer-free. I am cancer-free. And, and as in this season... I am, God has given me a very clear instruction to share my testimony. It's hard. I'm not, just sharing it gets easier and easier, but it is hard and it's very difficult, but I believe that I went through it so some people can know how to operate in this season. And so we're going to be talking about the waiting room. We're going to be talking about the waiting room and what it looks like to wait well. So my next slide the space between where you are today and the promise is called the waiting room. The space between where you are today and what God has promised you is called the waiting room. Another word for it is the wilderness. And everybody, as Christians, as children of God, you will have to wait. In fact, Jesus had to wait. Jesus, who was the son of God, and he was also fully man, had to wait before he actually started his ministry, had to wait before he actually got the glory. He had to go through a period of suffering before he got to the promise. He had to wait. And Jesus is a prime example of somebody who walked this earth and waited well. He waited well. He waited well. So today we're going to be talking about how to wait well. So if you don't mind opening your Bibles to Luke 2 verses 41. We're going to be reading from verse 41. And so the very first, the very first um, point that I have on how to wait well is that while you're waiting, you must be a student. While you are waiting, that's the time to figure out what is God trying to teach me in this season. It's not the time to complain. It's not the time to ask God, you know, God, look at everybody else around me. Why is this happen happening to me? That is the time to be a student. How can you learn? How can you grow? How can you develop in this season? And in Luke 2, we see that Jesus, knowing why he was fully called, even though he, he was all a God, he still was a student during his waiting room season. He still went and he, he learned. He, he got educated during his waiting room season. And so I want us to read Luke 2, verses 41. It says, every year Jesus' par Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious leaders, listening to them and asking questions. In this scripture, Jesus was only 12 years old. He hadn't even started his ministry yet. Many of us, we, we, we're like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to be in ministry. I'm supposed to, God has already given me the promise, and we want to go immediately. Meanwhile, God is saying, hey, 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 there's a season that you must wait. 
There is a process that you must go through. You cannot just go from, from, from here, from your starting point to the promise. Here is why we must learn how to wait well. If we do not wait well, if we are not students in our waiting room season, when we get to the promise, we won't be able to sustain the promise. We won't have the character to sustain and to carry what God is giving us. That's why in the wilderness, even if you look at the story of the Israelites, God was trying to birth something in them, but they didn't, they didn't get it. They just complained the whole time. And the journey of 11 days turned into 40 years. The wilderness is not a, a crime. It's not a crime. It's not a sin. It's not, it's not a burden. It's not a curse to be in the wilderness. But our prayer should be, God, let me not be in the wilderness longer than I'm supposed to be here. Let me not be in the waiting room longer than I'm supposed to be here because God will put you in a waiting room but only stay there as long as you're supposed to stay there while you are there you need to be studying God what is it that you want me to do in this waiting room how do you want me to build my character in this waiting room how do you want me to treat people maybe there's something that you need to learn in the waiting room that's going to sustain you when you get to the promise the promise does not start at the promised land it starts in the waiting room because if you don't learn how to carry yourself, how to, how to be patient and be kind and how to leave in the waiting room, you will forfeit your promise. You won't be able to carry the weight of the promise. It will be so much. The burden, it will, it will, instead of being a blessing to you, the promise won't even be a, 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 a blessing to you. Because you don't have what it takes to carry it because you didn't do what you were supposed to do in the waiting room. When you're in the waiting room, be a student. Learn what you need to learn. Allow God to teach you, to train you. It's not, that's not when, it's not a, the thing about the waiting room is that the waiting room is not a public place for people to see you. We don't like that. The waiting room is not something that you can post on social media. The waiting room is it's a secret place where God is building something inside of you. And if you do not study your word properly, if you don't allow the spirit of God to fill you up and empty you of any, everything that's not like God, you won't be able to get what you're supposed to get that will take you to the promise. Be a student in the waiting room. Be a student in the waiting room. Allow God to mold you. Allow God to shape you. Allow God to help you to evolve into the person that has the ability to enter into the promised land and be in the promised land in a way that brings glory to God. My next point is that while you're in the waiting room, you must tap into the strength of God. While you're in the waiting room, you must tap into the strength of God. There is a strength that is in the waiting room that you cannot find anywhere else. You cannot find it anywhere else. I want us to open our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. There is strength in the waiting room. If you just open up your eyes and see that God, God is in the waiting room with you. He has not forgotten about you. He has, not, he has not left you behind. He is in the waiting room with you. And that's why in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, it says, Why would you ever complain, O Jacob, or whine Israel, saying, God has lost track of me? By the way, this is a message version. I know for many of us, we're, it's new King James or nothing. In fact, King James or nothing, right? But God really... God has used this translation and New, New Living Translation to really mold my understanding of the gospel. And so um, please bear with me as we kind of simplify the word of God in this translation. 
It says, why would you ever complain, O Jacob, or whine, Israel, saying God has lost, lost track of me? He doesn't care what happens to me. Don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. God lasts. Somebody turned to your neighbor and said, God lasts. God lasts. God lasts. He does not come and go. He lasts. He's the creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out, doesn't pause to catch his breath. And he knows everything inside and out. He energizes those who get tired and gives fresh strength to drop out. Do you know that the energy, the strength that you need for this season, it cannot be stale. It must be fresh. It must be fresh. And so many times in the waiting room, if we're not careful, we will take the strength and the wisdom that we got in the last season and try to apply it to this season. But God is saying, no, no, no. I need, you're trying to rely on your own understanding, but I need you to get fresh strength from me. There is fresh strength for those who will wait and wait well. There's fresh strength. The New Living Translation says um, new strength. New strength. There is new strength for those who will wait and wait well. For even young people tire and drop out. Young folk in their prime stumble and fall. But those who wait upon the Lord will get fresh strength. The New King James set, uh, Version says that he will renew their strength. It won't be the strength of yesterday. It won't be the strength of your parents. It won't be the strength. It will be, it will be strength from on high, fresh from the throne of grace. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and they don't get tired. They walk and they don't lag behind. In the waiting room, don't try to tap into the strength of, of the people around you. Yes, it's nice to be surrounded by people, but your help at the end of the day comes from God, the creator of heaven and earth. He is the, people have capacities. And there's only so much you can tap into when you're over here trying to rely on people for your strength. But we serve a God that is a source of strength, where he does not get tired. He does not give up. He does not catch a break. He does not grow weary. And so why don't you tap into the strength of the Most High while you're in the waiting room? There is strength. And I know you're waiting for the promised land to find your strength, but it's actually in the waiting room. If you would just tap, if you would just tap into what God is trying to do in the waiting room, you will get the strength for the journey to take you to the promised land. There's strength in the waiting room. One of the biggest things I love about Jesus, if we look at the story of Jesus, and, and he was, he was um, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was about to go and, and get crucified, and he's having a prayer, and he's talking to God, and he's being open and honest with God and saying, hey, 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 daddy, um, I don't really want to do this, and I am tired, and I, I, I just, this is a lot, so if you would like, if you don't mind, I need you to take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. The scripture says that the angel of the Lord came to strengthen him in that moment, in that moment, as Jesus was waiting, because what Jesus was really saying as it relates to this, this particular topic is that, God, if you, I'm waiting on you, and I know that there's glory coming after this, so I'm in the waiting room, God. I don't really want to be here, but if you want me here, this is where I'm going to be. 
And, and a lot of us, we think that the, the answer to our prayer is God taking away the situation, God taking us out of the circumstance, but God is saying the answer to your prayer is new strength. The answer to, the Bible says the angel of the Lord came to strengthen him. And sometimes we pray amiss because it's like, God, please take it away. Take One of the biggest prayer points, I told my parents, I said, Mommy, Daddy, I know that you guys want to call every pastor you know to pray over me, to say that we should take this. I know. I know, I know, I know. I get it. But, but I, I told them that if you do that, you will pray amiss. God has already taken it away. So you asking this to go away is not, you're just doing what God has already said he's going to do. You need to pray for my strength. You need to pray that God takes me through this and he gives me strength. Strength that can only come from God. Pray for strength. Pray for strength. That is the answer to some of our prayers. It's not every time take it away. Sometimes it's God, give me strength. Give me the fortitude to be able to stand strong, to not be depressed in the waiting room, to not grow tired or weary in the waiting room, to even to be able to even serve other people and tell my testimony in the waiting room. There is strength in the waiting room. Stop waiting for the promised land to get your strength. It's right now. It's right now. It's right now. It's while you're waiting. It's while you're waiting. There is new strength. It's not fresh. It's freshly cooked. It's new strength. It's new strength. It's new strength. And, and lastly, as we wrap up, the third way to wait well is by worshiping while you wait. We worship while we wait. We do not, complaining will not get you to the promised land any faster, okay? Ask the Israelites. Complaining will not get you to the promised land any faster. Talking about it will not, I mean, talking about it will not, you're just talk, telling people, can you believe, can you believe what's happening to me? Am I the only one? That's cool and everything, but you would get so much more effective in the waiting room if you would worship. Worship while you wait. Worship while you wait. And how do we worship while we wait? I want us to read Romans 1, 3 to 4. Romans 1, 3 to 4. The word of God says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. All this is saying is that when we run into trial, we can get excited, we can rejoice, and we can worship. Why? Because God is changing us in order to get us to the promised land. There are some things that you cannot take into the promised land. There are some things that must be burned off of you in the waiting room, that there is a promise that God has for you, but you must go through process to get to the promise. And that process is the waiting room. If you would allow God to change your character, to build endurance in you, to build the fortitude in you, to be able to withstand anything that comes your way, you will be, you will be ready for the waiting room. While you wait, you must worship. While you wait, you must trust in God. While you wait, you must allow God to change you. You cannot be the same person in the, the you cannot be the same person in the waiting room that you were when you leave the that you are going to be when you leave the waiting room. There's change that's happening. You're being you're being transformed. You're being revived. You're being renewed. God is changing. He's even giving you fruits of the spirit. Things that you you know you you may not be as patient when you were in the waiting room, but by the time God has changed you, the patience that you need for the promised land will be there. You'll be able to be long suffering. 
You'll be able to be strong. And the, um, Ephesians, um, Galatians 5 gives us a fruit of the spirit. And there's some fruits that need to be brewed inside of us before we can get to the promised land. Before we can get to the promised land. We worship while we wait. We worship while we wait. We worship while we wait. And we worship by rejoicing because God is changing us into what will be able to um, be able to stand firm in the promised land. God, I thank you for the waiting room because the waiting room does not break me. It makes me stronger. It makes me stronger. First Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, it says, I want us to read this together. First Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. It is currently on the screen on the screen. I want us to read this together. Ready, set, go. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I want you to know that this is how we worship in the waiting room. We rejoice always. Somebody say, rejoice always. Rejoice always. Say, give thanks in all circumstances. And continually pray. It's so important that we do not allow. The waiting room season is not a time for you to just sit there. I know there's a lot of chairs in waiting rooms. Um, in fact, you can, you can sit and you can just sometimes I would just, just for the fun of it. I'm never sat in this particular chair. Let me sit here for the fun of it. And so there's a lot of chairs in waiting rooms. But if you just sit down in the waiting room, you've wasted the waiting room season. Do not waste the waiting room season. The waiting room season is the time to worship. The waiting room season is a time to serve. The waiting room season is a time to be obedient. The waiting room season is a time to give of yourself. Give yourself, give, give God your best in the waiting room season. Be sure that you're not allowing that season to just pass you by. Be sure that you're not just sitting down without actually allowing God to do his work in you. God, if you're going to bring me through this waiting room, make me a better person. Make me a better human being. Make, make me a, a, give me the ability to serve you in this season. I do not want to leave the season the same way I walked into it. That would have been a waste of a waiting room season. It would be a waste of time. God, transform me in this season. And so the word of today is very, very simple. That if, we're going, if we are called as Christians to wait, we might as well wait well. We might as well wait well. I'll give you this point and then we'll wrap this thing up. One of the biggest things, and I love studying the story of the Israelites because I, because they're God's called people, we still see some humanity in them and we're able to learn from them because I'm also a child of God. And, and, and so I can learn from what the, from the Israelites, because there are some things that they did, even as children of God, that I don't want to repeat. And here is one of them. When the Israelites didn't wait well, what happened in that season is that the journey that was supposed to only be 11 days took 40 years. Then we see that there were the parents, the people, the Moses and, and his contemporaries, they did not make it to the promised land. And so we see that the, people, the, the wars, at the end of the day, they conquer the, the, you know, Jericho, and, but it's not, it's not Moses and his people that conquer it. It's Joshua. Do you know that if you do not wait well, your children will be fighting battles that you should have fought? All of the stuff that they did 
<laughs> you know, after they got to the promised land, they were winning wars and they were taking over territories. And all of that really should have been the, the job of their parents. But they didn't make it to the promised land. Because guess what? Even when you get to the promised land, what we don't like, we don't like this. But the reality is that even when you get to the promised land, bet, then you enter another season, but you still have to wait. So it's a cycle. It is a continuous cycle. And that's why it's so important that as children of God, even some of us, even right now, we're fighting battles that our parents should have fought because they didn't wait well. You know, and, and I, like, one of my biggest prayers is that, God, whatever it is, whatever battle that I have to fight, God, let it stop with me. Whatever it is that is that I have to fight, God, let it stop with me. I do not want my children fighting the battles that I should have defeated long ago. Let it stop with me, God. Whatever it is that you need to do in me, do it in me so that I can pass that character and that endurance and that ability to be long-suffering and the strength and patience to my children so they don't have to go through the same thing I went through. Let it stop with me. As we rise on our feet, I want us to talk to God this morning. And our prayer is simple, God. I want us to ask God for the grace to wait well. God, show me how I should even be praying. There are times when you need to pray for things to go away because they're never yours. But there are times when the prayer is not for things to go away because it's already gone. But it's for God to guide you through the waiting room season. There is a process that God has to do in us. Nobody eats raw tomatoes and onions for stew. That stew must be processed. It must be cooked. It must undergo heat. It must be put in the oven. And I can imagine if the stew could talk, it might feel like, bro, this is really uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, the finished product of proper stew is the fact that it gets to do the purpose that it was called to do. It's so important that we do not forego our process because we want to get to the promise faster than God ever intended. God is saying that you, in order to get to the promise, there is a process called the waiting room. God, help us to wait and wait well. God, help us to wait and wait well. Help us to wait and wait well. I thank you, God, right now, because even in this moment, you are giving your children strength from on high. You are giving them strength for the journey. You are giving them strength for the journey, oh God. You are giving them strength, oh God. I see strength coming to you if you claim it. Claim it, receive it. I know you're tired. I know you, you're like, God, when? God, how? But God is saying that I have strength for you. I, if you would just receive it. If you would stop complaining and just receive it. If you would stop looking around for strength in all the wrong places and just receive the strength that I have for you. I am doing something new in this season. Can you not see it? I am making a way in the wilderness. I am making rivers in the desert. If you would just allow me to move. If you would just allow me to do a work in you. Do not resist my change. Do not resist me breaking you. God needs to break you in order to take you to another level. The promised land is not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. 
the promised land is flowing with milk and honey, but it takes somebody who has been broken, who has been set free, who has been changed in the name of Jesus. Father, I will not forego my process. I will not forego my process. I will not forego my process. For some people, God is asking you to surrender. You have tried to be in control way too long. And the, the, what God is saying, that the answer to your prayer is actually in your surrender. Stop looking for help from the east, from the west. I need you to look to me for help because I am the one who created heaven and the earth. I do not grow tired. I do not grow weary. Your help is coming from on high. Your help is coming from on high. So, Father, we surrender, oh God. We surrender our need to be right. We surrender our personal desires. We surrender to you, oh God. And we ask, oh God, that you have your way in us. Whatever you want to do, do it through us. God, move however you want to move. Not my will, but yours be done. God is looking for people who will say, not my will. It's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about my convenience. But God, I live to serve you. I live to be obedient to you. I live to honor you. With my life, I lay down my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. I will not conform to this world, but I will be renewed by my mind in the name of Jesus. Father, I release myself for your glory. I ask that you use me for your glory. I ask that you use me for your glory.
is beyond comprehension where people look at you and they're like, I see your situation, but you do not look like what you've been through. You look like you have joy. You look like you're walking in purpose despite your situation. That is the peace that I pray over you this morning. And I ask that God has his way even as you wait that God will give you the angel that came to strengthen Jesus in his weakened, weakest moments, that that angel was coming to strengthen you. The strength from on high, the strength that cannot be bought, the strength that cannot be incurred by men, but the strength that can only be gotten from you, oh God. That is the strength that's here today. So God, I worship you. I thank you, Lord, for your word because it brings light. Teach us to wait well and let us never be the same again. has to submit and one has to lead and one thing that I have discovered over the years we've been pastoring Salvation Center now, it's going to be 20 years soon and in the process what I have discovered is that when someone is able to recognize a grace and an anointing is because the seed is already in them. I seldomly find mentees. I don't go around looking for mentees. If the person has the seed, they will be the one to find. And when they are looking they have to be able to see you. I'm talking about the mentee. They have to be able to see you for them to be able to recognize that no, there is something that you carry that they also carry and need to birth. Very seldomly that I'll find. In fact, the, in, over the years, the mentees that I found myself are not serious. I'm begging them, come on along. And they say, I'm not going, period. <laughs> but when they find you, they recognize that there is something and they will pursue you. When Simi first sent me an email, amongst many emails all over the world that they want me to mentor them, I laugh because they're not serious. So I give them the first assignment. The first test is you write a letter to me telling me the relationship between mentor and mentee. She said she admitted her herself. She said, oh, I'm in school. I have a lot of papers to write myself. And I'm not going to write this one right now. You know, so it, a month, and she didn't write it. She got back to me about a month later. By that time, I already lost interest. I realized that she's not serious. But then there is a superior power that stands behind Simi 
because her pastor, my friend, O.J. Kuye, hallelujah, she went to her pastor and said, I need a mentor. The pastor recognized that she needs a mentor. He said, I know the right mentor for you. And so he, you know, he's like, oh, no, I already contacted her. Oh, she didn't reply. Like, she's not interested. Pastor Ojekuya called me and said that there's a young lady who is ministry bound. And she needs a mentor. And I think you're the right mentor. And then they introduced me to her again. I don't mentor local champions. They won't recognize me. They will not, they would, something, you know, the Bible says that when Elizabeth, when Elizabeth saw Mary, the baby in her womb leaped. Ha! Because the baby in her womb understood that she's carrying a promise. Hallelujah. So, what am I saying in essence? Simi is a, a she is a global champion. Hallelujah. Because she stood with the process. The same thing, what she taught us today, she lives it. If you're going to be mentored by me, you don't, we don't do small things. I am, I am, in fact, I rebuked her this morning already. I rebuked her this morning already. And she still came up here. She took it well. I'm sorry, ma. I'm going to correct that. Came up here and she did. You, you, she was bad to the bones. When Simi was diagnosed with cancer, I went to the Lord and I said, what exactly is going on? Because I knew that she's a global champion and that she's going to go globally to preach the gospel. So I'm wondering what is going on. And when the process began and she was in the waiting room, I watched her through the process as she stood in the weight room. And I'm letting you know that this is no ordinary champion. How do you go through? We have mommy, Rewale, mommy, please come. An elderly woman survived cancer, right? You expect that cancer, well, mommy's elderly. She's been asking me, who is this mommy, Rewale, you keep telling me about? That she survived cancer. If we expect that mommy should have, how does a, a young lady in her 20s get cancer? Well, she got the cancer and the cancer went out of her. See me just like mommy is cancer free. Completely. Completely. To the glory and the shame of the devil. Hallelujah. What a testimony that we can have legacies. We hear about people dying of cancer. Let's talk about and celebrate people who did not lose the battle. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. I want us to stretch forth our hands to us, Simi. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.